millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. How much of an influence would you say that pop culture has in your songwriting? It definitely has an an influence. I think it depends on what kind of pop culture. I think generally it's more like films and stuff that affect my songwriting or just like my tastes and stuff. I've been really into sci-fi and like, you know, that genre of film since I was like young, like a younger child films like Blade Runner stuff like that influence like my songwriting and just like they would think there would be things that I would reference visually in my head as I'm like writing stuff like what would work well in that world or something you know how old were you when you first saw Blade Runner Blade Runner I think I saw that a little later than most people I knew I saw it like at the beginning of high school is that like kind of 13, 14? Yes, I think I was, I think like 15, 16. Did you get more from as you got older? Because it's kind of quite a heavy one. Yeah, I definitely rewatched it a lot. Because I, I would watch it and just be just super engulfed in like the visuals and, and the aesthetic, the surface level parts of it. And granted, I feel like I was kind of high probably for the most part while watching it. <laughs> So it just like looked really cool and I knew there was like some substance there that I couldn't really wrap my head around. And not that I can now, but it definitely has a lot of value as far as like rewatching goes. So I feel like that's a film, that's like a movie that if someone hasn't seen it, I'll, I'll, I'll be down to like watch it with them just to sort of like see it with a fresh pair of eyes, you know? Are you looking for their reaction whilst you're watching it? You kind of picking up on their body language and stuff? Kind of, Yeah. I feel I feel like I do that often. I I, I rewatch stuff with my uh, my girlfriend a lot, and she'll kind of be 
surprised that I want to watch something for like the 15th time. But I don't know. I don't know if that's just me, but I feel like it's exciting to see it again with someone else and you you pick up on like what they thought was interesting or not or impactful. Uh, yeah. You get a really cool buzz when you share a piece of art with someone else that they've never heard or seen before and they kind of really resonate with it and then they express it. Yeah, definitely. Theme. And I think sometimes depending on who you show stuff to, you get like a different perspective of something you didn't really pick up on the first time. Like that can be an eye opener. Like, oh, I didn't think of, of that or I didn't take it that way, but I could see that being a thing. How does that kind of relate to your music as well? Like, say you're sharing a demo that you're working on with someone else for the first time. Do you prefer to be in the room with them or do you prefer to do it kind of virtually and not see their reaction in the flesh? That's a good question because I, I, if I'm going to show them the actual file, like the recording, I would go ahead and say I kind of don't like being in the room because, um, <laughs> you know, I've, I've had to do that so much more in the last two years, sort of meeting different people in like the industry and they're like, well, show us some of your stuff, you know, and you're in these meetings with these like companies and stuff and I always found it just so awkward to play your stuff because I hyper like I'm hyper aware of like how I might come off and it really fucks me up but oh can I cuss on this or no yeah go for it <laughs> okay cool yeah it really uh yeah really fucks me up like um I'll play it and I like it I spent a lot of time on 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 this thing and then I see someone like kind of like bobbing their head and I'm like I'm kind of bobbing my head but then I'm like maybe I shouldn't bob it too hard because then it's like hey it's like you know calm down you know <laughs> like how much can I enjoy my own art without it being like I'm like you know I live up my own ass or something you know <laughs> I mean that's a good question how much can you like do you ever feel guilty for maybe like really digging something that you've made honestly no just publicly like because i feel like if i'm in my garage and i made something i'll sometimes i just come back here and listen to it i'll change the pitch of it so if, you know like i'll put it in ableton and pitch it way down or pitch it up and it sounds like a a new song but it, i still it's still like the same song and i'll just i'll really enjoy it you know but if there was a live feed from my garage that someone could see me like jamming out to stuff I made. I feel like I would die inside, you know? <laughs> That's coming, man. That's where we're heading. I know. It's going to be live streaming 24 seven all the time. Oh. Get a win, like Truman show style. Oh my God. Yeah. Probably some black mirror stuff. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it's interesting you bring up Black Mirror because you, what's the song? Is it 6am? It's got the Twilight Zone sample at the beginning of it. Oh yeah, you know, the true. Precursor to Black Mirror. Yeah, I'm glad you caught that. I feel like I put all kinds of samples in our songs or references to stuff that no one ever brings up, <laughs> which kind of disappoints me. But it's also like, you know, at the end of the day, it is it is for me, you know, so. It's one of the through lines, isn't it? In the way that your kind of sound has progressed from the kind of garage band to this futuristic sounding thing, the whole way through, you still have those kind of samples and those little pop culture references. yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'm like, uh, MF Doom's also one of my biggest inspirations. And I feel like listening to MF Doom when I was in high school, he had a lot of sample work and stuff that 
when you dig into it deeper, it adds so much more to a song sometimes. I really dug that. And I guess I kind of like adopted that from him. Does it have to have a direct relation to the music for you? Or can you just put it in because it kind of fits nicely with the aesthetic of the song? Um, I feel like if it fits with the aesthetic, it it typically can make sense. But I like when stuff makes sense on multiple layers, you know? Yeah. Um, but that's harder to pull off. But sometimes I even sample like our own music, you know? And... Yeah, like we had this song called Blacklight that we put out in 2014, I think. And that was actually a, a demo that I was making with Gene, um, one of the guys that plays in the band with me. Uh, and he, as we were making it, I think I started chopping it up like as, as if it was a sample. And then that, that song came out of it. Um, but other times it's like the, the lyrics or the vibe of the song is this. And the sample, like where where it comes from, thematically fits, you know. Yeah, like on six AM, like what we're what we're kind of speaking about a couple minutes ago. Yeah, exactly, like like that. To come back to the kind of sci-fi thing as well, it's interesting that is it the first record you've got our decade on? We were speaking about Blade Runner. Yeah, yeah, part three. But then on Estrella, mm-hmm. the beginning of that was kind of influenced from the opening of Blade Runner. So they're both taking influence from the same piece of culture but you probably wouldn't know that unless you'd said it mm-hmm. are, are there kind of like secret references like that that only you can see in your music and wouldn't be visible to anyone who isn't the creator uh, at this point yeah i think so because because of what i said you know earlier about putting in stuff intentionally hoping that someone picks up on it or you know and i guess it's not always like references it can also be i feel like when i write albums like when i'm starting to put entire bodies of work together what helps me curate the the music and and the themes is to sort of think of it as like like it is a film in itself so sometimes there's like a loose storyline that's kind of going through the the record that's not not it's not anything like you know super concept heavy or like this like sequential or at all but it's it's um like I, I'm thinking of this character and I'm thinking of these things that are happening, but then I realize that once the music's out, it's not something that you would pick up on. Like um, it's not very explicit, you know. It's, but I think it's still cool because if I th- feel like it's there, it kind of gives the lyrics and the vibe more grounding. It's almost like a backstory for an abstract story. You know, yeah. I mean, even if the listener doesn't notice it on a conscious level, say you just you know sequence the tracks randomly, it probably wouldn't have the same effect upon them. You need that through line there that even if it's not visible, is going to impact them on some level anyway. I would hope so, because yeah, that's uh, that's like the 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 effort. That's the idea, I guess. The cover for. Uh, the last EP, what you doing, or what do you, do you say? WID or what you doing? How do you? I, I usually just say WID, although it is W-I-D. like supposed to be like, yeah, what are you doing? But WID. The the cover for that's almost like a film poster. Like it quite reminds me of. Do you know the poster for No Country for Old Men? Oh yeah, 
I think that was a coincidence. It, we definitely wanted it to be like look. We wanted it to look like a movie poster. I think we've done tried to do that in the past as well, um, with like Sun Transmission. My friend Eric Biza did the artwork, artwork for that, and I gave him a bunch of references and just sort of like what we were trying to go for. And and for this one, um, my friend, oh yeah, Chris Chris Runners, he did the artwork for that. So he was, uh, yeah, we were just sort of looking at different references and just trying to pull from everything and make it like unique. It's an interesting cover because it's quite, like in terms of the way it's structured, it's quite kind of classic traditional cinema, but mm-hmm. the album itself is very kind of futuristic sounding. Yeah. You kind of have a slight tension there. Yeah, definitely. When I was... Um, trying to group this body of of songs together i was watching like for the first time starting to get into like jean-luc godard films like the like french films from the what was it like the 70s or uh like breathless and stuff yeah like that kind of stuff like i always knew that existed but um it takes me a long time to get around to certain things even musically i know there's artists or, or or bands that are great and I should be into or should get into, but it's hard for me to just sort of like force it to happen. Like sometimes it takes like a, you know, like a year or a couple of years for me to be like, oh, this is sick. Why wasn't I listening to this before or watching this before? And I think this was- to come to it naturally sometimes. Exactly, yeah. And I think that's what this was. I, I, I got around to watching a lot of, his films and I saw um what's that film called? The the it's like a noir film. I'm blanking out. It has uh this actor The one where it's the the three the two guys and the girl. Yeah. And he's like on a different like it's all in black and white. Yeah. Alphaville, right. Um yeah. So I, I saw that and I remember feeling like there could be a connection between like this music with that sort of vibe. So that kind of created this whole thing of like wanting the artwork to be black and white with like yellow as like an accent color and having like this noir type thing, but the music's futuristic. So I guess it's kind of like neo-noir-ish, you know? It's like Blade Runner. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the way I always think about your music, or particularly the kind of recent record you've put out, is the future viewed through the lens of someone who was born in the 90s. Like, it sounds like what someone in the 90s would think the future would sound like. Mm. That makes sense. Is this kind of like retro nostalgia? Yeah, basically. That's a cool description. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal that. <laughs> When you're watching those guitar films, are you hearing music in your mind? Are there kind of melodies and patterns starting to form whenever you see something? Uh, yeah, sometimes. I think just sort of tones, like sort of um, moods. And I think that can inform like where a song that already exists goes or, or like what a new song could be. Um, but what I actually did this time around, because I had a lot of time on my hands was I actually got 
the whole film because I have it on DVD and then I put it on my laptop and I started putting all the demos as if it was the score for the movie and kind of using the movie as like a music video for the songs. And I was just going to do this with like one song and I ended up doing like the whole EP and also other demos that aren't on the EP. Oddly enough, it kind of helped with the songwriting of some of them because it felt like, okay, this part kind of drags on or this part is not long enough or, you know, um, which is a weird way. I haven't really worked like that before, but it was a fun experiment. It's a way of getting fresh ears and fresh perspective on it when you're so deep into the process and kind of ear blind to it. Exactly. Yeah, because you have another piece of art that's kind of you're bouncing off of. So you're not just sitting there and kind of like blanking out where the song kind of just, it just sounds the same. You know, you have a visual thing that's stimulating it as well. And, you know, I guess you have something pre existing too that already has a rhythm to it. Like cinema's got that kind of the way that it's cut has a rhythm that's already been engineered by someone and put in place, which could help you kind of. Like you're saying, notice parts in your own work where it maybe doesn't quite fit in with a certain momentum and pace. Yeah, definitely. Is that a similar thing when you're sequencing it? And you're kind of, what you're saying, you know, you maybe arrange it like it's a, a film. When you do that, do you start to notice parts where the record as a whole drags or yeah. is too fast? And Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, uh, yeah, we spend a lot of time trying to like structure it right, you know, the, the song order. And then even within the song, just like the structure of the song. Yeah, I think what I've started getting into a lot more these days is trying to edit, you know, trying to focus more on editing the song as opposed to feeling like what was made originally is super precious and like, you know, not fucking with it. I feel like it's nice to make something and then just keep refining and refining until you get like a little, hopefully a diamond, but sometimes, you know, you know, it could still use some more refining. (laughs) (laughs) Is that easier or harder to do when the stuff that you've been making lately kind of sounds less bandy in a room and more kind of whole and like one thing, if that makes sense? Mm. Like is it, if it's harder harder to kind of like if you were producing like if you think back to like the first record or whatever mm-hmm. you've got that kind of bandy in a room sound and it would be very easy to take out an element and see how the mix changes but when you have it like you do now where it's much more of a kind of fluid full thing unless you can hear all the individual instruments and more just feels like one whole thing mm-hmm. is it then harder to take bits out is it more of a delicate balance now i think the, the you know both options have their own challenges as far as the refining goes i think if i'm making a song like for the yeah for wid there were songs like estrella that i did by myself and there was other songs that i did with the guys like a couple of them or like you know definitely not like a whole band in a room vibe but even with the ones that are just myself I still would show it to them and sort of like what we were talking about earlier is get their reaction and get their um, feedback, you know, cause someone could, could kind of tell you, Oh, this, this sounds great. 
but there's also like the other emotion where someone's like, dude, this is like really good. <laughs> and I feel like that separation is, uh, is important. And, and also the, what we used to do as well is play unreleased stuff live, which I really miss because that's something we can't do right now. On tour, we would add a song that isn't out yet and just play it the way it is in the, in the recording that we have and get a feel for like people, if people would vibe with it or not on first listen, you know? And sometimes that would affect the songwriting as well. I guess, but can you still test them out live just with, not without a crowd? Will you test them out in a practice room and kind of see how you're vibing with it with each other? Not, not really. I mean, we, we can, we can, but I think for us, it's, it's more of how it, someone would like take it in that first time as opposed to like ourselves, because if we played it together, I guess, depending on what the vibe of the record is, we're not super concerned with how it feels to play as it does like how it sounds you know is it is there a difference in feeling to i know you were saying that some of the songs on the last ep you kind of constructed solely mm-hmm. and others you kind of had the full band working on it yeah is there a difference in feelings for those songs for you now when you listen to them when it's just your vision compared to when you have other collaborators involved on it with you yeah i think I think what ends up happening is the songs that have other people's fingerprints on it, it sort of, I can get sometimes even more excited by listening to again. I don't, I'm not thinking of the exact chords that were played or how I played it because someone else played it. And then I, you know, we mixed it all in. So it almost feels like uh, a little bit more, like uh, there's a little bit more distance there, I guess. So I can kind of listen to it to it more, as opposed to be if it's one of the ones that I did all the parts for. I can imagine the the shapes of my hand on like all the instruments and stuff, and it feels more like uh, like I can't just sit back and enjoy it as easily, you know. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, you you don't have as much and. Inv- Mm, I was about to say you don't have as much invested in it, but that's not the right expression. You don't have any baggage with it, maybe would be the way to say it. Like you don't have any emotional baggage caught up in the song, so you can just experience it for exactly how it is. And you have no preconception of it. Yeah, and it's also like a, not knowing the exact details of all the little things along the way. Because if it's a song that I did, it's like I knew how the mics were set up or all this stuff, you know, how I played it, how it, like, how all the parts interlocked but yeah i guess if if we're going back with like the movie analogy it's kind of like if i wrote a short film and then i acted all the roles out as opposed to like having other people act in it then i can just enjoy it instead of being critical of like each thing you know (laughs) something like that i think did i not once read you saying that if you weren't a musician you would have been a film director yeah (laughs) ideally (laughs) that would be cool do you think that are there any parallels there between a film director and someone who is at the helm of a group of collaborative people uh i would say so i mean i've never directed uh a movie i've directed like music videos and like stuff like that but um from what i've seen you know as far as 
how that job seems to be. I think there definitely are parallels because there's a group of people that come together to sort of like execute a vision, which is uh, yours, basically. You know, it's. Uh, I guess I see myself in this project in Interwave as the the funnel. You know, like the the filter. Yeah. So even though people bring in ideas and they're, you know, we we enhance them all together for the sake of consistency. Uh, I'm kind of that that last filter where it sort of it goes through me. So I guess that would kind of be I'd imagine if you're making a film, you know, you have all these talented people doing all these other things, but at the end of the day it goes through that final filter for it to be one vision as opposed to all these visions that are you know, might feel too scattered or something. I suppose you have more control. Yeah. As a musician or a producer. There's also a smaller team, you know, cuz uh yeah, with the guys, sometimes we'll write songs all together, which is like five five of us. Sometimes it's just me and two of the guys, or one, or just me. And I think if you were to do a, a, a film, it's like, it could be anywhere from like 20 to like 100 plus people. Even a small thing, it's still probably like eight people. Yeah, it almost becomes more like a construction site than uh, uh, a space to make art. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it seems like kind of challenging. I can't imagine what, what that would be like. Yeah, it takes a certain type of mindset to put yourself in that position where you're in the control of about 500 people or whatever that are all working to try and see out your vision. Especially, yeah, because it's your vision and it's art. Because, you know, sometimes we're making stuff and what if the idea that halfway through the album we start to realize maybe it could be something else? doesn't feel as severe as if you have like all these people working on this vision and what if halfway through the film you're like I don't even know if I know what this vision is anymore <laughs> it's like that'd be so scary because people are still asking you like where do you want this set up or like does this look fine and you're like dude I don't I don't know <laughs> that would suck there, there's a film about that called My Life directed by Nicholas Winding Refn is the name of the film and it's directed by his wife and it's a documentary it's the guy who made Drive yeah yeah I love I love his movies yeah is it, have you seen the documentary I haven't seen the documentary it's basically about him having a breakdown on the set of Only God for Caves as he kind of gets halfway through and realises he doesn't have faith in his vision and is just basically losing his mind oh my god I saw that movie that's when he's uh, it's like Ryan Gosling in Thailand right yeah like a, I quite enjoyed it I thought, a trip I thought it was good yeah I thought it was uh kind of like art, art film like you know yeah there's a lot of very striking imagery in it. and I mean it's like the guy pulling out the sword from behind his back and there's nothing there and stuff like that yeah Quite surreal yeah I thought it was it was it was definitely enjoyable it was visually pleasing that's the other thing about films is it's a completely different language to music like the idea that you can do things that don't quite seem real in terms of surrealism is probably a, it's, it's a lot harder to kind of translate that into music yeah I'm trying to think of the, of an example of of how you would of what like a surrealist equivalent would be in music I guess just things that are quite experimental maybe yeah yeah you know p- you, people can get experimental with composition or with even like you know the the effects that they use or the way it's like mixed and stuff yeah you've been sampling and stuff 
the way that some people, if you think about someone like Kanye, you know, uses samples or initially when he first started off, yeah, in quite a revolutionary manner. Oh, to degree. yeah, definitely. Did I mean when you were growing up in LA, did like the film and music industry feel close? Could you kind of feel its shadow? Um, yeah, yeah, yes, and no. You know, growing up in like South Los Angeles, it's a totally different world from what people kind of associate the Hollywood like part of LA to be. But you would still drive through it sometimes, go go to it sometimes. And I feel like just being in LA, you would have run-ins with like celebrities sometimes. If you were in a certain area, you'd just be like, oh shit, that, that, that's that person. Who did um, you have a run-in with? Just different like actors from different yeah. um, like TV shows, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. I can't think of anyone that would stand out right now. But someone that's like, is this that guy from that one TV show? Even if it's that vague, it's yeah. kind of normal here, you know? I didn't feel like uh, it was close in the sense of like super attainable or something because I feel like the competition of people wanting to do the same thing, you know, is so high and there's so many people coming in from different places just to do, just to get involved in that industry. So it felt like I was living alongside it, but never really like crossing paths here and there, you know. Yeah. Is it more attainable when it becomes familiarized? Does it feel more attainable when it is familiarized in that way? Or do you feel like you still have the kind of same barrier that you would if you were moving to LA from, I don't know, Sacramento or somewhere? I think now, well now with, you know, with like the music stuff, I feel like we've met so many different people in the music industry. And I feel like sometimes you start to be in spaces with people that are also part of the film industry in a way. And so it doesn't feel as like far away, but I definitely am not like in it, <laughs> you know, but like we've had friends that are like, you know, like direct that are directors or, or friends that are actors and, and stuff. But it's like either they're just kind of like, you know, they're not like, they might not be huge or they might not be, you know, but they're like people that are working in the industry. I guess I've, I've had more exposure to just like the art, music, entertainment industry in like the last three years. So it feels a little less uh, sectioned off, you know? Are film people and music people quite different? In term, just in terms of their character and the way they kind of are. The way you're saying, you know, you've kind of brushed shoulders with both. Yeah, I think so. I think it depends who, you know? Um, for a band like us, you know, we would love to keep doing what we're doing. but uh, and, and, and we'd love to, you know reach a certain you know level of of success whatever that means to us but we're not really concerned with being like the number one like pop band or something like that you know did you have a vision for the band from the offset from the beginning yeah but but i was 12 so i think <laughs> the idea of what success was is like 
pretty laughable now because it's like it was just like the craziest thing you know like it was just whatever you thought the top of the of the top artist would be living like it was something like that you know just because this was like you know 2000 and and six and stuff and we had just started the band and we were all 12 and we were like yeah we're gonna be like these huge rock stars or whatever <laughs> and we were thinking like you know they have like pictures of led zeppelin with their plane and shit like that like you just think ridiculous stuff like yeah i'll probably have like a plane and then the older you get you're like man you know it's really not what it used to be i guess and that's the the soundcloud rapper's lifestyle now <laughs> yeah exactly so unless i switch genres which i might you know fuck it <laughs> um yeah it's it's different but we love what we do you know and i feel like it's sort of it's never really been about sort of the money in a way i mean financial security is amazing if you could achieve it any way you can but i think we yeah we just give a fuck about what we're doing you know we would do it regardless we'd be doing it regardless you know when you when you start the band at 12 did you start off with a christian rock band yeah so that's you know a gene said that <laughs> um i would say no i would say we started off as just a regular band and then when i was f- 14 i think like 14 to 15 uh, I got very much into religion and God and stuff because I grew up uh, in a religious household, like a Christian household. And so for, at 14 to 15, I like got really into it. And so, and for, I guess for like that period, for that one year we were, you know, and then by the time I was like 15, shit just went like the other way fully. And then, yeah, and then here we are. <laughs> I mean, 14, 15, getting really into religion, is that kind of the age that you maybe start thinking about death a little bit more? And that's where that impulse comes from? That's a deep question. <laughs> uh, I no, no, it's not bad. It's, uh, I dig it. Um, yeah, I think for me it's like I always grew up I grew up with um like going to church often and like it wasn't just every Sunday it was like Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you know, and and stuff like that. And I guess I saw people around me that were also considering themselves Christians but then they didn't really act I guess as Christian like as as they seemed at church outside of church and I guess as a kid seeing how devoted my dad was kind of made me feel like well if I'm gonna do something I should do it right (laughs) and then I went super like hardcore into like trying to study up every day trying to basically on the path to becoming like a like a like a kid preacher and shit you know um like studying stuff and and going with my dad whenever he was studying like do bible study stuff like that i think it was more more that like more wanting to 
take what my parents were saying about it for face value like you know this is what reality is so i'm gonna just go go with it um but it's pretty stressful i think at 14 15 thinking about like sin and 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 big as essential shit like that uh kind of took a toll on me and so i started just kind of easing back you know and i think the more i eased back from it the the chiller things were and i was like well i'm just gonna do this for a little bit and see how it feels and then here we are and now i'm kind of you know not not really uh a religious person anymore but that's how it worked out did you ever experience faith in that way like in term when you were that age in terms of like true belief and the sensation that everything is going to be okay because of this one thing or did you never quite locate that point mm, i did but it was always fleeting you know it was always sort of very momentary because my biggest conflict was uh, an internal one of um uh, it's like I was approaching religion like I wanted to be a straight A student, but I kept getting, I kept failing because I would, would like, I was a, you know, like a sinner, I guess. You know what I mean? Like any little thing of like cussing or whatever, or even, you know, having any sort of like impure thoughts or whatever. It, I guess as a, no, as a kid who wasn't growing up in, with that in their head, they would just think like, oh, this is, normal this is what it is maybe but i guess for me it felt like this pressure of like god's disappointed you know so it always just felt like going back to zero and it felt like you could never reach that 100 percent pure purity because you're human and i guess that was like weird that was the conflict yeah certainly a lot of these certainly like a lot of these things that are completely natural for a 14 15 year old kid you're getting a lot of guilt kind of forced upon you for as a result of really just trying to be a better person i guess for sure dude and i think i was just thinking about this um you know like i told you i uh, i spent like a month in quarantine in december like uh i literally wasn't really leaving my room or anything you know i was just staying there and i remember thinking about that because i think that guilt definitely got stronger in that time and has kind of stayed with me like my whole life you know like it'll it'll just pop up in stuff where i other people don't feel as guilty about the same shit you know like even just if i got drunk and maybe got a little too drunk and i woke up the next day had a little was a little hungover some people would just be like ah well fuck it i'm just a little hungover but for me it felt like this huge guilt of like i'm disappointing someone like get your life together even though it's like the first time i got drunk in like the month you know it's it's weird yeah yeah it's a tough habit to break out of or a tough way of thinking like even though you may be not doing it consciously all the time there's still a little bit of your subconscious that's wrapped up in it yeah yeah i try to be not as hard on myself about that kind of stuff because i feel like it's just like a very tough way to I feel like you're only making it harder for yourself you know but yeah it's hard to break out of that for sure is part of that possibly bleeding over from music as well you know that's kind of a domain where you have to be really hard on yourself in terms of getting a song to the point of the best it can be how do you kind of stop that mindset bleeding into the rest of your life I think 
we've been very lucky to sort of just be our own bosses. So we haven't really had, I think maybe WYA and WYD, the last two EPs we put out was the first time we had to make something on a deadline. Before that, it's like, um, it was only a deadline that we made up for ourselves. So I think I'd only kept working on it until I felt it was ready to release or I just moved on, you know, to like a different thing that I felt was stronger. What happens more maybe is putting something out and then looking back on it and being like, you know, like, fuck it. With what I know now, I could have made that so much better. But I try not to get stuck on that because that'll just be, then your whole life's just going to suck. <laughs> you know, then you're just like, nothing will that you do will ever like please you. And I feel like, you know, life's too short for that. Yeah. If you end up getting into that mindset, you can apply it to everything that you've done. Because it would be like, oh, I wish I'd been in that relationship, you know, two years later because I'm more kind of figured out or whatever, you know? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Or like I could have handled this situation way better. But yeah, man, that's kind of, I feel like that's kind of life, you know, you're ideally you learn from all your experiences and to think about it retroactively or like, you know, just looking back and thinking of wanting to correct everything. It's sort of, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a, a rabbit hole. I don't want to go down, you know? <laughs> yeah. I was just saying something along those lines that life should be lived in reverse but we have to lead it forwards looking backwards or something. Like you can't, like, you, and, oh, I don't know. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to abandon that tangent. I can't remember the quote exactly, so I'm not going to be able to get it. All right. Well, if you remember later, you just email it to me so I know. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually, I've got it written down about a paper somewhere. So <laughs> How, was it always the intention for you to put out a live record this year? That was... Initially, we wanted what came first was wanting to do the the video that we put on 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 YouTube and stuff, like showing us playing live. We haven't done like a KXP or like a, a KCRW or like an NPR, like Tiny Desk, or you know, we haven't done those like well documented live performances like that. It's all just like cell phone footage on YouTube and. I felt like our set for that year was pretty, you know, grandiose. And we were going to play the Fonda and it was like the biggest venue we had ever like headlined like that. Yeah, we prioritized uh, trying to like make a whole thing out of that. And then the live album kind of came as an afterthought because we were just thinking, you know, I'm going to be mixing all that audio anyways for the video. This could just get mixed as well for like, for like Spotify and stuff. It fits in nice as well in a year where we've had such an absence of live music to kind of give people that on Spotify and kind of capture in that way. Tap into the moment. Yeah, definitely. I think that's also why we we just uh, released, we did like a live stream kind of thing at on New Year's. It was um, all of WID front to back live that was filmed and like edited and stuff. But that was the whole thing too, just wanting, you know, there's an absence of live music. And I feel like as much as I'm proud of our recordings, I do think there's something special about our live shows that people seem to gravitate towards a lot. 
and not having that, I feel like we were just, we didn't really fully feel like ourselves. So it felt nice to put that out to sort of, you know, hold people like, uh, hold people over until hopefully this whole thing gets figured out, you know? I mean, when it comes to, you know, playing shows on the rise in LA as well, is pay to play still a thing that's kind of going on? Or has that been eradicated now? I hope it's been eradicated. I don't know because I haven't um, like played the smaller stuff in a while. And, uh, uh, but I'd imagine it's still around for sure because that's kind of what we came up around. We had all these different like people that could get you to play these venues, but it's like you have to sell fucking like a hunt like you know 70 tickets at like i don't know 10 but 15 bucks each or 20 bucks each and you have no fan base and no audience so you end up just selling it to like your family and like your friends and then you buy like half of them and then you realize why more people aren't aren't coming is because you're just selling it to the people you know so yeah i don't know we avoided all of that just started playing house shows but I'd imagine that shit's still around now. I mean, it's literally like scamming kids. Yeah, you know, and it sucks because it's, um, I understand it's like someone needs to like maybe keep the lights on their business, but I'm sure they're getting other artists that are going to be able to pay for like that. And I don't know. Life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. That's the quote. <laughs> oh, uh, I see, I see. So it's kind of like, um, yeah, with time you get like the wisdom or whatever, but you're you're kind of stuck on the path going forward. Yeah, if you could, li- yeah, if you could live your life in reverse, you probably do a lot of things differently. To an extent, maybe I don't know. Yeah, are you quite are you quite a nostalgic person? Do you look back quite a lot? Uh, yeah, it's hard to say. I feel like I go. In a like, I go sometimes. Um, I'll think about the past a lot and reminisce on stuff and get like really sad, you know. Um, <laughs> or sometimes I'm so focused on what I'm doing now, like the, like different projects and stuff with music and recording and producing stuff. And then other times I'm thinking like about the future. It's like, where, where am I going to be? Where do I want to be? Like. Are things going the way they're supposed to be going for me to get to where I want to be? Um, so I think I jump all over the place. I try to be as present as I can be because I think I do think about the future maybe more, you know? It's interesting to think about that in context to what we were speaking about earlier in terms of you know pop culture and sampling things mm. or a lot of the samples that you kind of choose when it comes to referencing uh, other pieces of culture are they mostly taken from things that you kind of experienced in your childhood like what we were saying about like Blade Runner and Twilight Zone or are there things that you've taken from more recent stuff that you've experienced too I think it tends to be stuff that I that I know so it's yeah stuff that either like childhood or like young young adulthood or like, you know, my teenage years and stuff. I feel like I'll take it from, from that, you know, usually. Is it the same with songwriting? Do you need to write it from a point of reflection or you can, is it different writing it, say, if you're in the midst of something? 
I've kind of explored different options with that, like either reminiscing on, on, on something and writing about that. Um, if there's a lot of stuff going on at the moment, I feel like I focus on what's happening now. And with the last two EPs, I wrote from like more of a character point of view where it kind of freed me up to think of uh, hypothetical situations um, that didn't really happen, but it's still something I can like write about because I sort of feel, you know? Does that remove a certain vulnerability? Yeah, you Kind for of sure. using someone else to express yourself. Yeah, yeah for sure. Because, you know, yeah. I think that happened consciously too because all the other releases are very much like kind of a, a diary in a way. And the last two EPs, like the WIA, WID, came out at a time where things changed for us really fast. You know, we went from playing uh, backyard show, shows to like bars to all of a sudden playing like actual, like bigger venues and touring. And I guess thinking about that many people listening to something that's so personal was kind of freaked me out, you know? And I feel like the character thing helped make it more interesting because at the same time, it's like, I don't want to write about being on tour, really. Like it just, before I had like my day job and I had like, you know, either I was going to college or all this other stuff. And I feel like now it's just like, how can I make, how is that relatable or I don't know. How is that interesting just being on tour and songwriting for him, you know? So, yeah. Do you think writing as a character will be something you'll continue to do for a while? Or when we come to hear from you next and uh, musical output, will it be back to you just kind of straight up? I think, well, this we're actually in the process of, of finishing up an album right now which I haven't, I guess this is the first time I'm saying it like publicly, but um, yeah, we're finishing up an album that we want to put out this year and the lyrics are definitely not, they're more just from, from me. You know, I think the character that I was writing from started with WIA and it ended with WID. Like it's kind of like one package. Two um, the same story. Yeah, basically, it's like the rise and fall of an artist is basically what that kind of was to me. And then now it's just writing from, from my point of view. The character was then almost a device to navigate that transition. What you were saying about from like backyard band to touring. In a way, I mean, it helped to sort of articulate feelings without it feeling... Um, pretentious or like feeling way too vulnerable yeah it helps sort of like explore that you know like what that meant but like in story form yeah it's the same genuine expression as the earlier records but just kind of packaged in a different kind of voice if that makes sense yeah yeah I was able to say stuff and write stuff that I normally like wouldn't be as comfortable writing about or singing about because it's also all disguised as like a 
a character. So if someone was to ever ask me like, hey, what does this mean exactly? I'd just be like, I don't know. It could be real, could not be real. You know, just <laughs> enjoy the song. <laughs> um, when you're very aware, you know, of that period of transition that the band is going through, how does that impact your creativity? Just in general, being in a period of transition as opposed to a period of calm and steadiness. Uh, it's definitely a booster of, of um, creative energy. I feel like any time in my life I've experienced like major change, I, you know, have a huge like creative boost. I think there was a lot of um, anxiety with the um, wondering if it was going to be as good, you know, because now you have more attention and you can get more of an immediate feedback from people as opposed to, you know, it taking so long for people to come around to it. I think also just being on tour for the first time, like to that degree and seeing so many cities and, and, and countries I've never been to, you know, like going to Canada and going to like London and playing in, uh, where did we play? We played this festival. Brighton. Yeah. in Brighton. And, uh, I feel like that also just gave me this like boost of energy because you kind of like what I was saying earlier about uh, trying out new songs at a show. You kind of sometimes come back with the energy of those shows, and you can almost kind of guess what would get people excited or, or how the crowd might react based off of all these shows you've been playing, all this like data you know that you've been collecting from like the road of people that fuck with like your your music. So I feel like all that energy just went into th those two EPs, you know. Now it's kind of strange cuz I don't know. I'm very excited for this album that we're going to put out, but I don't know fully how people are going to react to it, you know? Cuz I don't have that don't feel like I have that connection of just playing a show and seeing them, you know. That could make it more special though when it arrives and it connects. Yeah, hopefully, you know, it's kind of a departure from a big departure from the last EP. It's not as electronic, but yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Almost, well, I mean, if you look at the records leading into the last couple EPs, it feels like a very kind of natural trajectory you start off like we were saying as the the kind of garage rock band and then it just progressively gets more and more spacey and kind of futuristic mm -hmm. until ywd and it's completely kind of in that cosmic domain for lack of a better term yeah yeah was writing this new record like more of a clean slate as opposed to a stepping stone which the last kind of few projects have maybe been i think so yeah it felt like we were like this is kind of a new chapter, you know? I feel like in some ways it's kind of like a reinvention. Yeah, it feels not more like a risk, but it just feels like we're, this is like what, what it is now. This is what we're feeling now artistically. And it's just exciting to think how people are going to perceive it, you know? But I mean, I like that stuff. I like when you can tell that an artist is doing what they want, even if you might not fully enjoy it it's like respectable as opposed to when someone makes something and you know they're kind of making it with the intention of just being liked by most i guess 
do you feel more free now as a result of having proved yourself previously? I don't know if I feel like I have yet <laughs> proved myself. I think um, right now, especially with, with the situation with COVID, there's this whole part of my life of, of different people that I, that I know um, that I don't see ever. And some people I have not really like kept in touch with and or seen in like a year, you know? And so I feel like all that sort of, um, what are people going to think or like, what's, how's this going to be perceived or what's everyone else doing or something? It kind of just went away fully. And now it's sort of just me and the guys going back to like being in a, in a room and just sort of figuring out what 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 this moment is right now Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.